From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Social distancing has been a key component of limiting the spread of the novel coronavirus, but how well is it working? I'm talking about that with Dr. Christopher Morley. He's Chair of Public Health and Preventive Medicine at Upstate. Welcome back to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Morley. Thank you for, have, for having me, Amber. Now, you and your colleagues have a paper that you've submitted for peer review that deals with the impact of social distancing on the transmission of COVID-19. Tell us what you found. So uh, there are one of the one of the things uh, in the middle of the pandemic uh, that that's occurring in in the modern era is that there, there are a lot of data available, and we took advantage of one that people have heard about, I think, a fair amount. It's a, a company called Unicast uses cell phone data to measure uh, how well people are social distancing, and they're actually issuing grades for counties on three measures, literally uh, A through F grades based upon uh, the daily distance people are traveling based upon cell phone pings and how much that has changed since a, since a pre-pandemic date. Um, now, is this something that people had to opt into on their cell phones or is this just naturally? This is naturally collected as a, as a, as a, uh, it, it's part of the, part of the background information that anybody with a cell phone is, is sharing with the cloud. Uh, it is anonymous, so it's not like there's somebody, uh, at least not from Unicast, tracking people. And I don't work for Unicast, just to make that clear. These were these these were uh, publicly available data. Um, we asked for uh, a direct link to their to, instead of just their their public dashboard to some background, um, uh, some 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 data in the background, which basically lists the daily score in a tabular format, so we can use them for analyses. And they they look at how how often people in general are traveling. How often they're visiting uh, uh, places that are non-essential, so not food or medical, basically, and how how often cell phones are coming in contact with one another, or the encounters that that people have. Uh, they basically can measure whether two cell phones come uh, within a certain uh, space, 50 meters or less, uh, and for how long. Um, and then, so so those three measures get a grade, and the. Uh, there's a there's an average grade, an overall grade. And those grades are assigned to counties across the United States. Now, one thing we were doing to track the epidemic in our area was calculating what's called a reproduction rate each day, and that reproduction rate is a is a it's a little bit complicated to explain, um, but it basically is a is a a number that tells us how quickly the virus is spreading or how many people uh, a, a case spreads the virus too. So if the R value is one, each person who has um, the, the, the COVID-19 virus, SARS-CoV-2, is transmitting the virus to, on average, one other person. If you get less than one, you're basically breaking the back of the epidemic, potentially. Um, if you're much higher than one, you've got a more serious uh, problem on your hands and you've got basically having an active, active epidemic which is why people have been talking about R. And R turns out to be a lot easier to, to measure on a day-to-day on a -day basis than, than simply watching case counts, because case counts can fluctuate a lot, and they can fluctuate based upon how rapidly tests are, uh, are processed, how rapidly testing is returned and reported out. Um, that, can, that can impact uh, case counts, as can the sources of of cases. So for example, if, if you have a cluster within a nursing home, that can impact what, what a daily case count looks like. But the R value 
looks at, at the, the reproduction over time. And so therefore it becomes a pretty stable measure when you can look at a linear uh, trend in, in the daily R value against those unicast grades. It basically tells you if you can look at the unicast grade for a day and then look at how R tracked in the week that followed, you can get a sense of how social distancing is impacting viral transmission. The governor seems to pay close attention to the R value. Um, I think he said it should be below one. And then if it rises, that that would be sort of alarming. That's right, because the R value tells us uh, information about how quickly the virus is spreading. If you go above one, you essentially see people transmitting the virus to, on average, more than one other person. Um, and uh, so, so watching that that daily R value, watching that 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 uh, that daily reproduction rate becomes really important to see if you suddenly have a spike. The R value is. Um, uh, has a lot more utility because it than than simply watching a case count because a case count uh, for a day might might pop up and and look like a bump for any particular reason. So for example, a bunch of tests might come out or a data download might happen at once. Whereas the R value is calculated out over over time, um, basically looking at at how often people who are already infected are are transmitting that to new cases. So you have a bit more of a streamlined. Uh, count of, of how the how the epidemic is moving and simply counting heads uh, of, of infected people. Now, let me understand, do you use the data from Unicast from the cell phones in order to help calculate that R value or were you just looking at them to compare? Right, that's a great question. We actually, the, the, two, the two measures, R is something we're calculating locally based upon case counts. The cell phone data, we don't actually see cell phone data, we see uh, Unicast's measure. Unicast has these grades and they have some numerical values assigned to those grades as well. We never actually see cell phone data. That's a completely independent measure that Unicast created sort of on the fly because they are they are a cell phone uh, data, uh, that's, that, that's, their, that's what they do, they, they, they manage cell phone data. Unicast was creating these grades and people haven't been linking those grades as far as we know to things like like case counts or to R values, we actually looked at case counts. We looked at, at, at all sorts of uh, all sorts of different trends. The R value was the most streamlined variable that we could use, and it tended to map with the these unicast grades. They were independently calculated. They they were not they they don't factor in, in with each other. They just they they tend to be associated with one another because we think well social distancing impacts viral transmission. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Chris Morley, the Chair of Public Health and Preventive Medicine at Upstate. So what geographic region did you look at for your paper that you've submitted? So this was a byproduct of us looking um, at, at the, um, the, the data in our own area, primarily because we, we, we were using this to predict what would happen in our own hospital system. Um, so we were looking at Onondaga County and counties that basically are contiguous or close to Onondaga and potentially might impact what's happening in Onondaga, Onondaga County and its hospitals. So we looked at Onondaga County, uh, as well as Cayuga, Cortland, Herkimer, Madison, uh, Oneida, Oswego, and Tompkins counties. Um, and uh, so, so we looked across the eight county region and we would look at, at the R values at, in each county. Um, and the, the average R value 
and the and the the unicast grade for each each uh, each measure that unicast puts out. Um, and we looked at how the the unicast measure predicted the, the week that followed in each county. Um, and it turns out that actually density was important too. Encounters was quite important. How often people were coming in contact and for how long with one another. Um, and it was particularly important for uh, in, in, in Onondaga County where population is, is, more, is more dense. So the denser the, the population, the more important it is that, that people uh, monitor those encounters. So rural, rural areas would have automatically a higher R value or a lower R value, just because yeah, they, people are spread out more. Yeah, well, they would have a lower. Uh, they, they tended to have lower unicast scores. People were um, uh, for encounters because people would would encounter fewer people. But they also um, they, had, they had other measures like distance traveled. If you have to go to the store or or do anything in a rural area, you tend to travel a further distance than if you are in a, in an urban area where you could potentially walk. Or a suburban area where you you might go you know a mile or two to a grocery store. Um, you might have to try travel five or six miles if you live in a rural area to just do basic basic things. Um, so the the um, it does we we haven't teased it apart uh, to that level, but it does seem like monitoring your encounters in in denser areas is probably uh, of particular importance. But that doesn't mean that rural areas are off the hook. It means that they probably have fewer natural encounters on a, on a regular basis. And is cell phone data thought to be reliable because so many people have cell phones? I mean, you, the only people you would not be capturing would be people who do not have a cell phone that they carry with them, right? That's right. Uh, cell phone use is pretty ubiquitous. Um, obviously, you're going to miss, miss, um, miss some information, right? If you have people who don't have cell phones, well, who doesn't have cell phones? Well, small children. People who just don't have them with them. Um, you may also have people, uh, you know, uh, segments of the population who leave their cell phone turned off, or or leave, uh, you know, leave, leave other features turned off, or uh, have an old flip phone that might, you know, give uh, might might be kept turned off in the in, in the purse. Um, so what I think the data are useful for are that they give an aggregate picture. They don't tell us what one person is doing. This isn't about calling individuals out and knowing what anybody's, you know, monitoring anybody's individual behavior. But when you look at a snapshot of a, uh, snapshot of a county, um, you can kind of see what in aggregate that county is doing. Um, you can tell uh, how often cell phones are coming in contact with each other. And that's probably a good proxy for what's happening with people. Um, it's not perfect and it's not individualized, but it's a good uh, overall picture of what's happening in a county. So uh, if someone had the GPS tracking on their phone, they could turn off so that they're not captured in this, right? Or or not? So uh, some of this happens behind the scenes at Unicast and, some, and so some of it's proprietary. Um, and I, I don't want to come on the radio and proclaim to be a cell phone expert. But the the uh, my, my understanding is that if you're connected at all, if the phone is on and connecting to a cell phone tower, um, there's information just stored in, in in that way. Basically, people just to have have cell phone capability, um, people know have to know your location, or actually computers have to know your location. Uh, the GPS function is something that feeds over and above. Um, so that's where you get Facebook advertising and and other more. 
different things. But but basic geolocation data um, is is important because because uh, cellular providers know when a cell phone is connecting to a particular tower, for example. Um, I believe they do use uh, they, they do combine cell phone tower data and 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 GPS data, but again, that is proprietary, and and we haven't certainly dug into uh, all of that. I wouldn't want to claim expertise in Unicast's data. They made they made their methodology public, and we employed those measures that they made public to see how those measures were impacting our. Has your team looked at whether the community use of face masks helps reduce the spread, or is that something you would be interested in? That's something we, we are really interested in. And actually, there are papers that uh, have modeled the use of face masks. Um, that's not something that our team has studied, but uh, a paper just came out where a team of uh, biostatisticians and epidemiologists uh, examined the use of, uh, of face masks based upon the, the, the relative protective capacity of different types of face masks, whether people using surgical or just cloth or anything in between. And it, and it turns out any use, in their models at least, any use of face masks, if it's widely, uh, widely disseminated, if everybody has at least some protective covering, you're going to reduce some level of viral transmission. Um, that's not our study, so I don't want to um, speak expertly any more about their study than I would about Unicast. But the, um, the, the point is that these measures should be used together. If people are practicing good hygiene, Washing their hands, uh, you know, basically covering sneezes and something other than their hand, uh, checking their own symptoms, not coughing uh, out into the air, uh, masking, and maintaining distance. It's these things together that lower the probability of transmitting the virus. Um, used independently, they have some efficacy, but used together, they work together to to lower the risk of transmission. Because again. Uh, the risk of transmission is 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 a it's, it's a game of probability. Um, you want to lower your probability of transmitting virus or of, of having virus transmitted to you. Very interesting. Thank you so much to Dr. Chris Morley, Upstate's Chair of Public Health and Preventive Medicine. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.